0: Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by Lakelink, your online fishing resource at lake link.com.
1: Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by the Open Season Sportsman's Expo going on this weekend at Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. Open Season Expo.com by Remy Battery, family owned and operated since 1931 serving Milwaukee along with Escanaba and Houghton, Michigan Let's start something, remybattery.com and by the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, grassroots hunting and angling conservationists dedicated to the future of fish, wildlife clean water and healthy habitat Wiwf.org. I'm Dan Small, we've got another great show for you this week, so stay right there well it's time now for Madison Outdoors and you hear this feature every week on WTSO the Big Ten Seventy and on our podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Lake Link, iHeartRadio, and other platforms as well. And joining us once again is Pat Hasberg, owner of DNS Bait Tackle and Now Fly Shop on Madison's North Side on Northport Drive. His website is dsbait.com and he posts a weekly fishing report. Every Friday, I believe it's every Friday, at DNS Bait and Tackle on Facebook. So, Pat, thanks for joining us, and welcome back.
2: Thanks for having me, Dan. Pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, you do post the the fishing report on Friday, the way Gene did, right?
2: Uh, I did. It's a little different format than what Gene Gene did. Um, He uh, stood in front of the camera and uh, gave his reports, and uh, that worked great for him for many years. I'm not as good-looking as he is, so I... (laughs) I decided I, folks didn't need to see my face so much, so what I do is uh, it's a it's a little different format where I'm on my laptop recording what I say, and I'm going over Google Maps and uh, telling people specific areas around the Madison area that uh, when I'm so when I'm talking about Cherokee Marsh or I'm talking about Dunn's Bar on the lakes, I can show people where I'm actually talking about because you know some of that is. Um, very local information that uh, people, you know, I think they'd like to know actually the spots that I, where I'm talking about and how to access maybe where to park uh, this last report I also went over a, a feature on the Southern Wisconsin Trout Unlimited uh, site where they have a map to help people find trout fishing water.
1: So. Yeah, I, uh, I actually checked that out before I called you and um, yeah, I just the only thing I wasn't certain of uh, is you still do it on Friday, right?
2: Every Friday. Yep. Yep. The first thing in the morning, I try to get it up, up there by seven, between 7 and 8
1: o'clock in the morning. Yeah, okay. Well, and jeans um, uh, was very popular, and, and I like your new format. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from what he did, but the map is uh, a great addition. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with Madison, but I do not live there. And if sure. you're not a local, uh, when you talk about things like, uh, you know, Governor's Island, Picnic Point, uh, Monona Bay, uh yeah. the triangle all that stuff is uh kind of foreign language to anyone who's you know who's never been there and and uh you know it's great that you're doing that so um Thanks. keep keep it up are you getting comments from folks about your uh, that format
2: yeah a lot of positive feedback people really appreciate uh that extra level of um information because yeah like you said you know that people might not know where Picnic Point is or, yep. or, or, or where to park when you visit Cherokee Marsh or, yep. or you know, things like that. So it's, it's nice to add that extra exactly. level.
1: Exactly. Well, you've been at the helm of DNS now for about a month. How's it going?
2: Uh, it's going great. I uh, had wonderful reception from all the locals and longtime customers that have come in. And the most popular uh, comments I get are people saying, you know, just thank you for keeping – this place open because it really is a a a valuable resource in the madison fishing community and so i'm just honored to keep the legacy that gene and sandy put you know forward for all these 30 years they own the business so I'm, i'm happy to keep that going and i think a lot of people are too
1: yeah i i think that regardless of what people think about you know the the fly shop addition or personality differences uh, between you and Gene I mean there's always uh, transitions and changes but uh, the fact that you're keeping it alive and uh, a viable business in that very important uh, part of the town and and the the community of lakes I, I think is great so well um you've added fly tackle uh, how's that going
2: well, we've added a very minimal on of fly tackle at this point. Um, that what we're doing is just trying to switch over from winter stuff to spring stuff on the traditional tackle side, so and building up some inventory there. Um, the fly stuff is I have a couple orders out uh, to different distributors. Um, one of the things that I'm sure everybody's familiar with is supply chain issues. Yeah. Um, so dealing with that uh, is is a bit of a challenge and getting stuff in the door. Uh, is a challenge, but um, I guess the main um, challenge for me is that uh, doing all this stuff takes time and money, uh, both of which I have very little of right now. <laughs> so
3: <laughs> yeah, just, yeah.
2: just trying to just trying to spread things out here, and we're we're picking away at it, and uh, you know, hopefully by April here we'll get uh, some stuff on the walls for fly fishing. I do have some flies uh, available uh, for trout fishing, also got walleye flies in which are really popular on the rivers um so there's some stuff here for the fly angler but um you know we're we're working towards a full service fly shop and we hope to have one up here as soon as possible so if everybody can follow us on social media facebook or instagram we're updating there whenever we get new stuff in and you know if people can just bear with us that'd be wonderful
1: yep i noticed those walleye flies i have used them uh, on rivers Oh gosh, uh, white bass in Amro, um, oh, yeah. and, um, you know, uh, walleyes, um, on the wolf, uh, gosh, uh, Oshkosh area. It's a very popular technique, uh, pulling yeah. flies, they call it. Uh, and they work. They yep. look like minnows. And so why wouldn't they work? Well, um, yeah. uh, specials, you got a couple, at least one special on there. You're, um, uh, selling off some of the ice fishing tackle at a, at a bargain price. Is that true?
2: We were. We just took that down. Oh, okay. The ice fishing is pretty much done yeah. in the Madison area, yeah. so we took the ice fishing down stuff down. We sold through a lot of it, so that was. I'm very thankful to everybody that came in and took advantage of that. Um, but right now we do have. Um, we're, like I said, we're switching over to our spring and summer stuff. So I'm, I got a clearance right now on a bunch of Rapalas. So if folks, stop in. Uh, there's a nice selection of Rapalas on the wall. I'm gonna make a post to the Facebook here tonight. Yeah for that stuff but uh, yeah we have uh, just a great selection of them on the walls and, and you know like I said a bunch of yeah. we've got a big shipment coming in hopefully tonight or tomorrow for to get well, more pegs filled here and stuff on the
1: wall. So. Well good well uh, enough about the store how about a fishing report? Uh Ice fishing has got to be pretty much over I mean anybody be yeah. out of his mind I think uh, to, to put a Four by eight sheet of plywood down and try to get out yeah. there in some of the popular spots at this point.
2: You're right. It, uh, there were a few people out yesterday. Yet in the sixty-five degree heat or whatever we mm-hmm. had. And, you know, I I hope they're still with us. I yeah. I, I can't I can't confirm that uh, they made it off the ice, but I, I you, know, it, it was, uh, you know it was you know very sketchy conditions yesterday. So
1: yeah, yeah. As, and, of, and as for, of now, yeah. And and for folks uh, listening, uh, we recorded this on Tuesday evening, so yesterday is Monday here. Uh, Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as of now, we're pretty much done. Well, how about open water? Um, Some of the river areas are open shorelines as well.
2: That's right. We've got a few shorelines here in Madison that are open. Uh, Cherokee Marsh area is opened up uh, down near uh, Monona Bay on the west end of Monona Bay where uh, Winger Creek comes in. That's... uh, Monona Bay is about half open down there, and people are catching uh, smaller panfish, uh, even some bass. I even heard uh, one guy came in and uh, was catching uh, bass on uh, topwater lures. So oh my. You can you believe that? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but otherwise, yeah, the rivers are on fire right now. Uh, the um, Wisconsin River at, at the Sauk Dam has been good off and on. It depends on the water temperatures there, uh, up near they've been getting fish on the Wisconsin River um, the Rock River at uh, Fort Atkinson and Jefferson have both been I've uh, heard a lot of great numbers of fish coming out of there uh, so anywhere there's rivers right now the walleyes are re- getting ready to do their thing and uh, it's uh it's, it's a great time to get out there and, and uh, chase the walleyes
1: it is and we've only got about 30 seconds left to talk about trout but uh, trout fishing has been good i don't know if the rain this week will change that might improve it in some areas and might make it tougher in others
2: yeah i was out on sunday with a friend and the the streams are in good condition a little low right now but uh there's with this warmer weather coming they should uh, stabilize the temperatures and fish should start looking up and, and biting so
1: all right and I noticed that you are you are appearing on the drinking with scissors fly tying video <laughs> series too. And folks, if you don't know what that is, check it out. <laughs> we'll, yeah, it's
2: a, it's a good it's a good way to learn about how to tie local patterns. Here,
1: yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we'll talk again, and we'll talk more about trout fishing uh, probably next time. But thanks so much for that report, and. uh Keep that phone on the hook, as <laughs> nobody but yeah. you and I know the reason you didn't have many calls uh, today was somebody bumped the phone. I think. <laughs> That's
2: right. Yeah, yeah, the phone phone line got disconnected. there, doing some cleaning and ah. knocked it off the line.
1: But, All right. Well, Pat. Gotta
2: fix now.
1: Yeah, good, Pat. We will talk again soon, and uh, hang in there and 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 good luck with uh, uh, continued sales and um, and visitors to your shop.
2: Thanks so much, Dan.
1: You Take bet. Care. Pat Hasberg is the owner of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Madison's north side. His website is dsbait.com. Fishing report every Friday is posted on Facebook at DNS Bait and Tackle. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupey and Abraham. named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Huppie and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Huppie and Abraham, 800-800-5678 or visit Huppie.com. And all 11 offices of Huppie and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. Well, joining me once again from his home in Wisconsin Rapids and back home from Spring Valley, Illinois, Mr. Hardwater Jeff Kelm. Well, Jeff, uh, boy, it was a pretty exciting tournament you had last weekend.
4: Dan, it was one of the most incredible things I have witnessed in tournament fishing. Um, so we had the, the Spring Valley Tournament uh, Masters Walleye Circuit event, and it uh, it's our traditional opener, happens on the Illinois River, uh, third week of uh, March, Every year, has for 30-some-odd years, well before I was doing this. And, um, you know, lots of anglers have come and gone through these tournaments, and since 2017, I've gotten to know many of the guys that stick around each and every year. Mm -hmm. And one of those anglers was a gentleman named Mike Hansen, and he was a professional guide. He owned Starved Rock Guide Service, fished uh, the Illinois River, in fact, the stretch in front of Spring Valley was a usual spot for him to to fish. Mm-hmm. And so he got into the MWC events each and every year with his partner JJ DeMonardi. And um unfortunately, uh Mike contracted COVID-19 in September and uh ended up uh battling it out until the very beginning of February where he lost his battle with uh COVID pneumonia and oh uh the infections that came and just the weakness of his of his body and stuff and and it was really sad he was in his early 50s it was relatively healthy he was just one of these ones where it just stings you know we've lost a couple of anglers and um um always a friendly guy he was it was was fun to have him at these events and this wasn't the only event he fished he fished many of our mwc events so i got to see him quite often but this was his home waters and Uh so When we went there this weekend, we honored him with a a moment of silence. We kept his name on the roster with his (laughs) uh, typical partner, J.J., and Mm -hmm. uh, J.J. was fishing with Max Wilson. Some of you may know him. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's been all over the walleye world. He's won a few of our events before. Uh, He's won an NWT championship as well. So um, uh, Max was very good friends with Mike as well, and they wanted to honor Mike by fishing this event. And uh, however they did, they were just happy to be there, and they knew Mike was with them. And so we really made it a, a big deal uh, about you know about it being for Mike. But I could have never actually guessed that Max and JJ would win the thing, and uh-huh. they did. It, uh-huh. They they weighed ten pounds and some change <clears throat> on day one, and we're sitting in. I don't know, 6th, 7th place, somewhere in there. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. within striking distance of the sure. of the top, but they were 3 pounds under the top weight. And at Spring Valley, when all the fish are like a pound and a quarter, mm-hmm. you know, with a few kickers mount, mixed in, that's hard to make up. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get extra fish. And so um, we didn't really, nobody really thought of it. The, you know, they even those guys were like, you know what? Hey, if we cash a check, this is awesome. Yeah. Again, just here yeah. to honor Mike. And they weighed in about a third of the way through day two's weigh-in, and uh, they weighed in they 12 pounds, some odd, uh, some odd ounces. They had 22 pounds and 12 ounces when all said and done. We thought, okay, hey, congratulations, that's great. Uh, rolled through the weigh-in, and about the last 10 boats, I realized, oh, dang, Max and JJ are still sitting at the top. <laughs> Nobody's caught them. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> caught <him> them. <either>. The <laughs> leaders had motor problems, so they couldn't go to the regular spot. A couple of the guys that went to the regular spots were dealing with uh, changing water levels because we had rain for two days, sure. yeah. and um, and they didn't catch, you know, what they caught the day day one. And so here we are to the last couple of teams. I call Max and JJ up, and uh, everybody's kind of just standing around stunned that they're about to witness something, you know, incredible. You, you, you just... It just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. That the that yeah. the guy that you're sitting there honoring his partner mm-hmm. ends up winning the very next event, you know, yeah. and uh, and and JJ and Max or JJ and Mike had never won an MWC. JJ has never won, so it's not like it was a usual thing. Like it, you know, they weren't a shoe in Yeah, and um, ended up coming down the last team. They didn't have what it was uh, had have what it takes. And Max and JJ walked away with over $19,000 and a win. And, uh, JJ is having a replica trophy made to place in Mike and, uh, and his wife's house, uh, nice. to honor Mike. And, sure. um, yeah, just the craziest story, coolest story. I mean, everybody was so excited and, uh, we were able to sell, uh, some decals that, uh, the proceeds go to help. Uh, Sherry, Mike's wife, uh, pay for some of the medical costs. Cause I mean, sure, you can imagine sure. that many months in the hospital. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, that's hard no matter wow. what kind of job or anything like that. He was a fishing guide. So, I mean, it's yeah, not like he yeah. was raking in the dough, you know,
1: not like he's rolling in it. Yeah. And, sure. and they did it, uh, fishing his best spot, right? The yeah. One,
4: one of these spots that, uh, you know, Mike knew well, it was a spot. In fact, they had to use... Max's aluminum bass boat to get into the spot because the big deep v hulls couldn't get in there
3: Uh with the low
4: water levels yeah and so people saw them in there but there was no way they were going to get their boat in and um (laughs) uh yeah they took the chance and got in there uh you know without hitting anything and uh fished caught their fish and got out and i mean just a crazy cool story
1: well that is really nice i mean it's nice to uh uh, you know to have a, a a team that deserves to win it uh, and and do it fairly have that happen but then to have a storybook um ending to the whole thing is uh, that's great i'm sure mm-hmm. people will be talking about that the rest of the season and probably <laughs> a next year
4: yeah a long time for sure yeah.
1: yeah well back here in wisconsin turkeys are starting to move i'm talking to people who are seeing occasionally a gobbler here and there and hearing one how about you
4: Yep, i uh, got turkeys in the backyard, some hens, uh, six hens the last few days have been wandering through. No toms with them,
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, and I haven't heard any gobbles yet, but I would imagine, and last year they, uh, we did have a couple of toms roll through, so I would imagine they'll come around eventually. I know they're around.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you'll see them. You'll see them. Well, I saw this on the Fishing Wire on Tuesday. I don't know if you noticed it. Last Saturday, an angler named Luke King landed the new West Virginia state-record muskie, 55 inches and 51 pounds. Wow. And he had it weighed by having a fish biologist uh, come out and meet him uh, on the river where he was. He kept the fish alive um, until the guy got there, and they weighed it and measured it, and then he released it. And uh, I shared it in, on the Outdoor News Wisconsin Facebook group page, and King has caught a number of 50-inch fish Um uh, you check out his Facebook page, you'll see. I I, I gotta tell my brother Mike about this because he's now in North Carolina. That's not too far from West no, Virginia. No, a little closer than you, know, you are. Yeah, quite a bit closer actually. <laughs> and um, on the scary side of things, the highly pathen- what is it? Pathogenic, avian influenza, and that's bird flu for short. It's been found on a commercial chicken operation in Jefferson County. They got a lot more birds than you and I have. They mm-hmm. have. 2.7 million birds. And, wow. Uh, yeah, DATCAP and the feds are depopulating the farm, which hmm. means those birds are toast, they're going to be composted, and, uh, you know, their their history. Uh, unfortunately, the disease can be carried by both wild and domestic birds, so uh, we got to just be alert to the fact that, you know, if you have... Chickens or ducks or any kind of poultry, um, you notice sick birds, uh, check them out and make sure that that's not what it is. And mm-hmm. There's information on the DATCAP uh, website that explains all all you need to, to know about that. Well, folks, you can make a difference for the future of hunting, fishing, and healthy habitat by joining the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation. WIWF.org is their website, and you can add your support to one of the most active and growing grassroots networks right here in Wisconsin. The Wildlife Federation welcomes individuals, businesses, clubs, and alliances who want to do what's right for fish, wildlife, and the people who rely on access to healthy natural resources. That's all of us. So join today at WIWF.org. Well, coming up, we'll pick up where we left off with Dan Ebert, leader of a new statewide coalition of uh, groups that are looking at uh, ways to address the impact of severe weather events on outdoor recreation. We'll talk with Dr. Paul Reese of AcuteAngling.com. This is kind of a an exotic trip of a lifetime opportunity. He's going to talk about the fantastic peacock bass fishing in the Amazon jungles of Brazil. And we'll kick things off with Remy Battery President Mike Miller talking about battery maintenance for recreational vehicles and how higher fuel prices have made more of us Turn to motorcycles and bikes and scooters for daily driving. I don't know if you've done that yet, Jeff, but... I was actually
4: thinking of selling my bike until all of this happened. And I'm definitely keeping it this year.
1: All right. All (laughs) that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio.
4: Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. As Remy Battery enters the 90th anniversary of our company, we want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the years. Thank you for your continued support to our local, family-owned company. We invite you to our newly remodeled Milwaukee retail store on the corner of 43rd Street and Lincoln Avenue. We have batteries from the largest military crafts to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or the waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs.
5: We fuel the outdoors. The Open Season Sportsman's Expo will return to the Kalahari Resorts and Conventions in Wisconsin Dells Friday, March 25th through Sunday, March 27th for an Outdoorsman's Paradise Weekend. Come see the latest products, gear, and equipment for hunting, fishing, and outdoor enthusiasts. Attend an educational seminar, test out the newest products, shop show-only pricing, and bring your buck for trophy deer scoring. Kids age 12 and under are free. Save with advanced discounted tickets at OpenSeasonSportsmanExpo.com.
0: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Remy Battery has been family owned and operated since 1931. They're located in Milwaukee at 43rd and Lincoln as well as uh, in Escanaba and Houghton in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. You can also find them on the web at remybattery.com and Remy is spelled R-E-M-Y remybattery.com And joining us now to share some more advice on battery care and maintenance is Remy President Mike Miller. Well Mike, welcome back. Hey
6: Dan, how are you doing? You enjoying this nice weather that we've had uh, the last uh, couple
1: of weeks? Well, I'll tell you what, it really does feel like spring and spring is officially here now so uh, I guess a lot of people are Dusting off the uh, spring and summer vehicles and getting them ready to go.
6: Absolutely, Dan. I mean, we're seeing uh, we're getting a lot of calls and a lot of inquiries for uh, power sports batteries, specifically motorcycles and scooters. People are kind of getting the itch to bring those out of the garage, and that's kind of timely too. A little bit of a fuel savings. We saw an uptick in usage for power sports batteries uh, last time fuel ran up this high. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so we're expecting a pretty busy, pretty big, brisk season for uh, power sports batteries this year.
1: Yeah. Okay. And you've got everything, right? That people might need for scooters or even uh, e-bikes and that.
6: Uh, yeah, we can we can help them out with. uh, I'm ready.
1: boat this year and uh, it's actually at my partner's uh, house jeff kelm he's got a a carport that he uses as a boat port and he had a spare he had one boat in there and he had room for mine so i took mine uh, up to his place and uh, we did plug it in i've got a um a charger on board on the boat but we we kept that and that was your advice too to keep it plugged in um, or to charge it every once in a while we i think he just left it plugged in and that'll keep a maintain, uh, maintaining trickle charge on it, won't it?
6: Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a great thing to do. And another piece of advice when, you, when you're when you getting ready to take that seasonal equipment out is just take a look at that battery. Make sure you don't have any corrosion built up or, uh, you know, any uh, loose wires, loose uh, connections, because uh, that's, that's really important as well. Um, especially the corrosion, and the corrosion is usually is pretty simple to take care of. Um, there's a lot of products that uh, you can buy at the store, but one of the easiest, simplest things to do is an uh, old household remedy, and just get some baking soda, dissolve it in hot water, and uh, soak those terminals, and uh, brush it off, brush the corrosion off with a, a wire brush, and just continue to do that until you get uh, all that corrosion off of those terminals, and and uh, uh, wire leads.
1: Uh-huh. Now, should you use some, some special lubricant once you get the uh, uh, the terminals and the, and, and the cables cleaned?
6: No, not necessarily. You want to make sure you have a good contact between the, the terminal and the, uh, the lug or, or the uh, cable end, mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that that's good and clean. But uh, after, if you are concerned about corrosion... Uh, you can put uh, a little bit of uh, corrosion preventative grease on top of that, but don't put it in between the contacts.
1: Uh Aha, okay. Now, I've heard, I've never done this, but um, the trick of putting a, a penny or something on the battery, not connecting the terminals, but supposedly that will attract corrosion. Is there any truth to that? Well,
6: it'll track corrosion not only to the terminals, but uh, also to the penny. Um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, <laughs> yes, uh, when you do have that uh, gassing that goes on, uh, it, any of that uh, battery electrolyte, which contains sulfuric acid, is going to gravitate towards any metal. Uh, whether it's the lead terminals or, uh, the penny that you put on there.
3: Uh-huh. So,
6: you know, we've heard, we've seen it and we've heard a lot of stories like that, but take that penny, put it in the bank and, uh, <laughs> save it for a rainy day.
1: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's often the, the case with some of those old remedies. So, alright, Um any other advice for people getting uh, equipment out of storage now?
6: Um, you know, again, check those contacts, check for corrosion, uh check the uh battery voltage. If you if you don't have a voltmeter, uh that battery voltage should be twelve point six to twelve point seven volts.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh anything less that, than that uh mm-hmm. should uh, be put on a charger and brought up to a full state of charge. And if you don't have that test equipment you can bring it into Revy Battery uh or typically any parts store can help you out as well uh, and uh, check that battery for you. Uh-huh.
1: And you, uh, you, you'll check them free of charge, won't you? We,
6: we do check them free of charge, we
1: uh-huh. do. And if they need to replace them, uh, there's a trade-in deal that you do because you do recycle lead-acid batteries.
6: Absolutely. You know, any battery that we sell, uh, by state law, we have to have an uh, old lead-acid battery in exchange, or we have to charge a core charge. Uh-huh. And that core charge is refundable any time you bring back any old lead-acid battery.
1: Got it. Okay. Well, Mike, we'll let you go. I understand uh, you're trading the North Country for some Florida sunshine for a week here. and uh, We're, we're going to envy you down yep, there. Yep,
6: I'm, I'm, I'm heading down uh-huh. to Daytona Beach for a, a week of sun, sun and fun.
1: Well, you enjoy it, and we'll catch up with you when you get back. Don't get too sunburned now.
6: Okay,
1: I appreciate it. I'll make sure to pack my sunblock. There you go. <clears throat> All right, Mike Miller is the president of Remy Battery. You can find them online at remybattery.com. They're located at 43rd in Lincoln in Milwaukee, as well as in Escanaba and Houghton in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this.
0: Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information Outdoors Radio with Dan Small
1: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio I'm Dan Small the Open Season Sportsman's Expo is going on this weekend through Sunday at Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells, and you can learn more, if you don't already know, it or if you haven't been there already, at OpenSeasonSportsman'sExpo.com, and joining us now is Dr. Paul Reese. He uh, heads up uh, something called Acute Angling, and we'll get into this a little bit, but uh, we were hoping to see them at the expo, but that's not going to happen, and he can explain why in just a second. He has a Ph.D. in neotropical ichthyology, and if that crosses your eyes, we're talking about South American fish. He's recognized as one of the most uh, foremost experts in the world on the giant peacock bass. He's been studying um, that fish and others uh, hands-on in the Amazon jungle of Brazil, uh, for three decades and, uh, done a lot of fishing. He's the founder and president of Acute Angling. And this, uh, group is the premier provider of fishing trips for peacock bass and other exotic Amazon game fish. Uh, it's a, a respected jungle outfitter that explores the Amazon basin. In pursuit of outstanding fisheries and then operates organized, secure and comfortable. And those are three key words to anyone traveling overseas these days. Uh, group sport fishing trips to these extraordinary locations. Uh, they got a wide range of Amazon destinations and access to some of the greatest game fish in the world. They're a leader in the adventure fishing trip industry and their website is acuteangling.com. Well, Dr. Reese, thank you so much for joining us.
7: It's my pleasure, Dan. I'm pleased to be here.
1: Well, you, we were hoping that you folks would have a booth at the Expo, and there's a short answer as to why, why not. Can you tell us what that is?
7: Yeah, it was a timing issue. Uh, apparently, they had invited us at the last minute, and our booth was already on its way to Anchorage, Alaska, Mm. where we'll be at the next show. So turning it around wasn't really feasible.
1: Yeah, I guess not. That's a good excuse. So, well, we will miss you and uh, not be able to talk to your representatives in person, but we've got you right now, and your website, of course, has amazing photos and stories and all kinds of information um, about the fish that, that live down there, and... I guess the first question is, why would somebody from Wisconsin, where we've got some of the best fishing in North America, why would we want to travel to Brazil, to the Amazon, to fish for peacock bass or other species?
7: Well, uh, the, the key word you spoke was some of the best fishing in America, and there is no fishing in America that compares with the characteristics of fishing in the Amazon. Peacock bass, if we want to compare them to a largemouth bass, is like a deranged largemouth bass on drugs with a bad <laughs> attitude. Okay. Uh, they are also the most powerful freshwater fish in, in the world, and that's a legitimate reputation that nobody would argue with once they have fished for them. Uh, these are fish that can reach close to 30 pounds. They're... Uh, strictly piscivorous feeders, which means they chase fish. So that behavior triggers a, a, a predatory response that will have them run something down halfway across a lagoon if they have to, and they strike violently on the surface. And you know, fishermen love catching fish on the surface, mm-hmm. but what they love more is catching a fish. That makes them think someone dropped a Volkswagen on them. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Well, um, you got my attention. Now, of course, uh, our, uh, big dog in the room is, uh, Muskie. Uh, and some people would say, well, Chinook salmon, because we have them in the Great Lakes. And, uh, you know, I've, I've hooked them both on, uh, fly rod and conventional tackle, and they jump, they run, uh, but you can subdue them after a bit. Um, how, how come, why is a peacock so, so strong and so uh, powerful and so so aggressive
7: well there are physiological reg- reasons why and it has to do with the way their hemoglobin is structured but i won't go into that here because i'll bore your listener yeah uh, the reality is the way they fight is it, it's it's not a long fight and it's not about the fight after about 30 seconds it's really those first 10 to 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. We fish for them in a jungle habitat, and they have access to the jungle. Uh, we cast near structure, which is usually trees or branches, from the jungle, and when you hook one of these fish, once he panics, he's, his goal is to be 50 feet in the jungle, mm. where, where Whereupon he's waving to you saying goodbye as he scrapes the lure off against the tree. Uh, it's that, it's that part of the fight that's so violent and powerful. You cannot stop a 15 plus pound fish, even with 65 pound braid. If you put your thumb on the spool, you snap your line, you'll break your rod, uh, they are strong enough to do that. In those first 30 seconds Uh after that if you're lucky enough to have gotten him away from the structure and get him out into open water after about 30 seconds he's just another fish and he'll run and jump like a salmon would or like a musky would uh but in terms of that initial power and they expend that quickly within 30 seconds Uh but that initial power Uh is like nothing a freshwater angler has ever seen
1: wow well, and uh, we do have peacock bass in Florida, and uh, a uh, an acquaintance of mine, I understand, is an old friend of yours, Larry Larson. He's written about them. In fact, he heads up, uh, I think it's called the Peacock Bass Association or Society or something. Um, uh, is that the same fish?
7: No. Uh, actually, it's a very, very different animal. Oh. So I, I presume you fished for largemouth before. Oh, yeah. Before. And I I would guess somewhere
1: in your fishing career, you've caught a pumpkin seed sunfish. Oh, yeah.
7: Would you call that a bass?
1: <laughs> well, they're related, as you know. <laughs> but yes, no. they're related. No. But no, not as an angler. Of course not. No. Well, no.
7: it's the same thing with uh, peacock bass. Surprisingly, there are 16 different species. Okay. Most of which are small. Uh, none of them approach the size of Cichlid timensis, the giant peacock bass.
3: Mm-hmm. The
7: fish in Florida, uh, uh, Cichla ocellaris, is a transplant purposely brought in by Florida fishing game Game, uh, getting on 25, 30 years ago now,
3: mm-hmm.
7: uh, and that fish came from Guyana, from water Mountain Stream. Okay. It is a very different animal. Unlike Timensis, which is a pursuit feeder and it's piscivorous, this is an ambush feeder and it's opportunistic. Hmm. So it, it, it will, it's typically striking subsurface. Uh, it's, so its behavior is very different. It's strong. Uh, you put a hook in, in a three pounder and it'll surprise you, mm-hmm. but they don't grow big. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a five pounder is a trophy and anything over eight pounds is a jaw dropper. Uh-huh. So it, it never approaches the size of the Brazilian peacocks. The good news for us is the fish in the Amazon are not really transplantable anywhere in the U.S. Otherwise we wouldn't have a business. Uh-huh. Uh, they cannot tolerate water colder than 78 degrees uh-huh. while the fish in Florida can handle sixty pounds, a uh, 60 degrees. Okay, not not quite the same animal.
1: Okay, so totally different creatures, and um, uh, and and the South American fish is uh, the explosive one that you've been talking about. Well, okay, so let's say I go down there uh, with you. How many of these might I catch in a day?
7: Depends on the trip you select. We run a, a continuum of different trips. We have four different types of mobile accommodation that we use to follow the dry season, which is the optimal time to fish for peacocks. So that allows us to be in different places and to use different tools to access different kinds of water. Mm -hmm. So we have trips for the person who's the constant action kind of guy where you can catch 50 to 100 peacocks a day. Oh,
3: my. <laughs> we
7: have trips also that are focused on trophy hunts because mm-hmm. there are lots of anglers who say, I don't care if I only catch one fish yeah. as long as he's a big monster. Yeah. And we have trophy hunts where you catch very few fish, but they're huge and well into the 20-pound class. Wow. And finally, we have variety trips where numbers or size are is not all that critical. The goal here is to catch all these different amazing Amazon game fish uh, sometimes as many as 12 to 15 different species mm. in a different fishery so we do a lot of different things and there uh, and obviously different people have different expectations so we've tailored our trips in an effort to try to meet those expectations.
1: Okay, well, gosh, we're running out of time here, uh, but uh, you mentioned dry season, so if you can tell us quickly, when is that?
7: Well, the dry season moves through the basin. It rotates and we follow it. Oh. So we are able to fish in the range of the giant peacock bass from uh, late August until mid March. So we're never in one single spot. We're always moving. We move 1,250 miles Hmm. from the south to the north following the dry season. Mm -hmm. So the short answer is any time we schedule trips is the best time to fish because we're always in a different place.
1: Got it. Okay. Well, gosh, uh, we could go on, but um, as I mentioned, we're running out of time. I think you've uh, whetted our appetite, and I know I do have listeners who um, have the interest and the means to uh, fly to South America and spend a week or so uh, fishing for exotic fish. I know people who have done that. Um, Maybe in another conversation we can talk about the arapaima, which is um, the the biggest big dog down there, I think. uh, but that's uh, that's another story. So, um, Dr. Reese, thank you so much for talking with us and uh, sharing this information. Uh, I hope some folks listening uh, take advantage of it.
7: It has been my pleasure. I look forward to speaking with you again and showing up at the Wisconsin show. And we welcome anybody who's interested in our trips.
1: Yeah, well, get your uh, your bid in for a booth early next year. They they were <laughs> short on space, and they don't know what they're going to do uh, because the, that's a great show and it keeps expanding. But uh, at any rate, we'll send folks to your website, which is acuteangling.com. And uh, I've been talking with Dr. Paul Reese. Check it out, acuteangling.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio.
5: We fuel the outdoors. The Open Season Sportsman's Expo will return to the Kalahari Resorts and Conventions in Wisconsin Dells Friday, March 25th through Sunday, March 27th for an Outdoorsman's Paradise Weekend. Come see the latest products, gear, and equipment for hunting, fishing, and outdoor enthusiasts. Attend an educational seminar, test out the newest products, shop show-only pricing, and bring your buck for trophy deer scoring. Kids age 12 and under are free. Save with advanced discounted tickets at OpenSeasonSportsmen'sExpo.com.
0: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Wisconsin Wildlife Federation is a group of grassroots conservation organizations and individuals who are dedicated to the future of fish Wildlife, Clean Water, and Healthy Habitat in Wisconsin. Their website is WIWF.org. And over the next several months, we'll be talking about a new initiative with people from all over the state. Uh, In fact, we had a great conversation last week that we had to uh, uh, break off because of time constraints. But joining us again now is uh, Dan Ebert. He was with us last week. He's a consultant in the Ebert Group, and he's the state lead for this, uh, climate initiative, this coalition of groups that include the Wildlife Federation, um, it, it working, uh, to understand the impact of weather events and what we can possibly do about them. So, Dan, uh, thanks for joining us again.
8: Thanks, Dan. Happy to be here.
1: Well, now, last week we were talking about, uh, we kind of ended it by talking about the impact on farmers and, uh, you mentioned the Monroe County Task Force, which is working to find some solutions for uh, or actually things that farmers can do to stay viable and uh, deal with the severe weather events. But there's more to the story, isn't there?
8: There is, Dan. I mean, I think, you know, initiatives like the Monroe County um, Initiative um, are really uh, important and valuable to contributing to the conversation here and, and really to getting, you know, folks on the ground to look at solutions. Um, so I think, uh, as we discussed last week, I think the uh, the task force is going to be coming forward here in the next several months with some specific recommendations, and I look forward to taking a look at those because I think you know they're they're going to be applicable in Monroe County, but my guess is that they they will apply in lots of places around the state of Wisconsin. But in addition to that, Dan, um, there's been a really exciting conversation led by Representative Tauken, Um a uh, legislator and legislator in Wisconsin legislature, and he's pulled together, um, groups of outside experts and, and a number of his colleagues in the legislature to take a look at, you know, what are some of the things that the legislature might, might be able to do to, um, you know, contribute to solutions around this. And, you know, that, uh, effort is continuing. The, the bills are in drafting, um, but I think, you know, it's it's conversations like that where, where folks uh, come together um, and really begin to focus on solutions that I think create some opportunities for, you know, a path forward and how we better manage um, these severe weather events and, and impacts around climate change.
1: I wonder, um, speaking of farmers, I wonder if severe weather uh, has any <clears throat> relation to the Loss of dairy farms here in Wisconsin that we've been noticing the last decade. I mean, we're the dairy state, but when you lose a dairy farm a day, excuse me, as we have, uh, the last couple of years, you can't keep doing that forever and still be the dairy state.
8: Yeah, no, I think that, that clearly has been a challenge for us here. We, we've, we've seen decreasing numbers. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I'm excited about the Talkin conversation is it's really focused on how do we, um, uh, develop a revenue model that allows farmers to stay in farming and really sort of think about maximizing the revenue and maybe thinking about the traditional farm revenue model a little bit differently than in the past, um, but what are the revenue streams that allow family farms to stay in existence and i think that's really been you know a key part of that conversation so uh also you know another reason why i'm excited to see um what the outcome of of that uh conversation is Uh
1: uh-huh well dan let's switch gears here we've been talking about agriculture and of course it is critically important because we all have to eat Uh, but a lot of our listeners are outdoors enthusiasts uh, fishermen hunters and there was an article that you uh, got uh, put put in front of me <laughs> just recently um, uh, by uh, a writer on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel um, about the impact of, of these weather events on uh, a lot of outdoor recreation, including the Birkenbinder, which uh, just happened last month and. Uh, Ice fishing, which uh, is pretty much done now in Wisconsin, but it's a big deal here. So, what did, what did that author discuss and what's the out, uh, the takeaway from that?
8: Yeah, so I think, you know, Dan, you know, you put your finger on the pulse of a really, really important issue here, I think, for the state. And, you know, I grew up pheasant hunting with my dad, pheasant hunting and deer hunting with my dad. And I remember growing up around Watertown, going out to the Isaac Walden League and Shooting trap and duck hunting, and um, and you know waking up at 5:30 on Saturday mornings at the you know the start of pheasant season, and and just going out into the the farmlands around Watertown, Wisconsin, where I grew up.
3: And, mm-hmm.
8: You know, obviously, you know that that kind of experience doesn't exist anymore. And I think you know what you're focusing on really is how do we preserve this you know this amazing legacy of Hunting and fishing and and conservation um, that is such an important part of part of our state, and so I think you know that's why I'm really excited to you know to be having the conversation with the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation and some of the other hunting and fishing groups um, to really focus again, sort of what are the solutions that we can um, you know pursue that can really help preserve this legacy for you know my my kids and my grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the story that, um, that you reference is, is, you know, is just a, a sort of another example of the need for us, um, here in the state to, to focus on this challenge and, and, uh, and come together. Um, and it's just that, you know, the, the reality is, you know, Dan, you and I were talking offline and, um, you know, I remember, um, pheasant hunting, right. So it was, you know 30 30 you know it was below freezing usually in mid-october when we <laughs> would head out to the to the farm to yeah. the, the cornfield you know um and now you know it's it's it doesn't get that cold until mid to the end of november so mm-hmm. you know we definitely have seen the impacts. you know just anecdotally you clearly see those impacts and i think what that story really showed is that you know for this important part of the 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 you know The history of the state and the things that that folks who live here find important is the changing weather weather patterns are going to have an impact on the way we hunt, the way we fish, um, and are going to really require some changes too. So I think just another reason why it's important for us, you know, to come together like, you know, this coalition that's coming together here, you know, reach across different kinds of organizations and and really try to have a a different kind of dialogue here and focus on
1: yeah uh margaret heim is the uh is the writer she's a science and uh, health writer which is interesting because uh you know there was a lot of uh, uh information about <clears throat> um outdoor recreation in that in that story but obviously it's a science based story because you know the uh, things are changing weather wise so well um you know before we wrap this up um Talk a little bit more about this coalition. Um, I understand that eventually you're going to have a website. Um, I don't know if you even have a name yet. Uh, uh, you're just getting going. I understand, right?
8: Yeah. So we've been, you know, we've been um, focused on this for about six months, and really just starting with conversations with individual groups like the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, um, and we're just getting ourselves organized. I think. Over the course of the next month or two, you'll see the group, um, emerge with a name and, um, uh, but we're still very much in the early stages of the, of this conversation and we're looking forward to, um, you know, coming together and, and, uh, um, you know, um, have, have, you know, having the name out there and, and, uh, web presence and, um, really, you know, our goal here ultimately is to strengthen the dialogue across the state. Around these weather-related impacts, uh, around climate change, with a focus on you know let's let's work together to find some solutions. So we're excited to roll up our sleeves and and see what we can do to um, make some progress here in Wisconsin.
1: All right, well Dan, uh, great having you on the show now this weekend, last week, and uh, we may talk to you again. But as Mark uh, mentioned, when we kick this off, Mark Labarbera, the executive director of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation. Uh, he is looking for stories like the couple that we've shared here, whether it's uh, personal uh, stories or uh, something you, you know, a friend has uh, experienced with uh, related to severe weather and uh, and maybe what you can do and and changes you've made to um, to, to kind of uh, roll with the punches. So um, the folks uh, can get a hold of me through. Uh, my through the Lake Link uh, connection you can just uh, send me an email at dsoradio at gmail.com dsoradio at gmail.com we are looking for stories and uh, uh, Dan we will be following uh, this obviously for the next few months and uh, uh, wish you the best of luck as you develop this coalition and uh, uh, we'll probably talk to you again uh, once you guys have a name and uh, uh, a, a clear direction that people can respond to so thank you so much Thank you, Dan. You bet. Dan Ebert is a principal and a consultant in the Ebert Group. And as I mentioned at the outset, he's the lead for this uh, climate initiative that's taking place here in Wisconsin. And this is sponsored by the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation and the Energy Foundation. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms makes and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com.
0: Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
4: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And their launch in a summer event is set for April 9th with seminars and giveaways. They're offering free U.S. Coast Guard vessel checks on April 30th as well, check out their website and Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Remy Battery, family owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Let's start something. RemyBattery.com. By the Open Season Sportsman's Expo this weekend at the Kalahari Resort in the Dells, Expo.com and by the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, grassroots hunting and angling conservationists dedicated to the future of fish wildlife Clean Water, and Healthy Habitat, WIWF.org.
1: And if you happen to miss an episode of our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, you can watch any show from the past several seasons at milwaukeepbs.org and Deer Hunt Wisconsin 2021, along with shows from past years. Uh, Those shows are archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel.
4: If you missed anything on today's radio show, you can listen online all the time at link-link.com. Go to their outdoor radio page. And you can download this show and past shows up to uh, from about a year ago. And then uh, take us with you all week long. You can follow Dan on social media at, at Dan Small Outdoors and follow me at Hardwater Jeff.
1: Yeah, just a couple calendar items for you this week. The Wisconsin Conservation Congress spring hearings are virtual again this year. You can participate starting uh, at 7 p.m. on Monday, April 11th. There are lots of advisory questions. We'll talk more about that next week, but just go to dnr.wi.gov, type in the keywords Spring Hearings or Conservation Congress, and <clears throat> you'll find all you need to know there. And the Midwest Outdoor Heritage Education Expo, also known as MOHI, is back this year. They took, um, I think, the last two years off because of COVID, but <clears throat> it's a free event. It's open to all 4th through 7th graders from Wisconsin and beyond and it will be at the mckenzie environmental education center in poignette and their website is outdoor heritage education center dot com they have transportation grants available to schools that don't have the funds to send kids and they're also looking for sponsors to help cover bus transportation costs uh, kids learn all about the outdoors and hunting and fishing trapping and all that good stuff and uh, uh, gosh, is, is Robert in fourth grade yet? I've forgotten where he is.
4: He goes to fourth grade
1: next year? Next year. So next year he'll be able to go. And maybe you'll want to go along. They have a lot of dads who get to be chaperones for this Sure, weekend, sure. Sounds fun. Right? Well, if you have items for the calendar, send us an email, radio at com. I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend, and be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio.
5: When the loo cries,
7: lover, in the blue north wind, I'll be trolling home to you. When my wrist gets a little chilly
5: on the gunwale, when my lazy eye is just Too lazy to lure When the worms go
7: dry In the coffee can, honey I'll be troll